This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. This is part of our current Sunday evening series called 18 Words You Really Need to Know. fellowship. Um, so take your Bible. We're going to look at several passages uh, of Scripture dealing with that uh, wonderful word. Uh, for those that don't know, we've been, I've been utilizing uh, a book by J.I. Packer. This is an older version, so if you have a new one, it doesn't look like that. I think the newer version may say 18 keywords or something. This is, yes, it's a little different looking. Read, you know, some of, they're all good, uh, but read, read the one on fellowship very good he does a tremendous job I don't just take his outline and preach the key thoughts I just have been using this as a springboard of of words that we need to look at that are important but if you do have a copy of that it is a great book uh, and he, he does a wonderful job of looking at the importance of fellowship as the body of Christ and so that's what I want us to look at uh, look at tonight we were at this morning actually looking at uh, the life of the church and what makes the church so uh, wonderful and, and why we should be excited about the church and, and what the church can accomplish through us. And you notice that it's always us. Uh, we, a lot of times I think we think about the church, we think of like a, a building or, you know, a, a denomination or something, and, and we look at it like we're not part of it. That's one of the things about uh, preaching. Sometimes when you're preaching, I try not to preach with a rifle. You know what that is? Just staring at one person, this sermon's for Christopher. And I never take my eyes off of Christopher. That makes people uncomfortable after a while. So I always tell everybody, I, I like to preach with a shotgun effect. Just hit everybody. Uh, and, you know, of course, that's myself included uh, as I prepare to preach. Uh, but sometimes one of the things we look at, things of the nature of the church, and this is what all pastors will tell you this, it is for everybody. But sometimes we always feel like, well, that's for other people. So even like fellowship, we, we sit and we listen to it and go, well, I hope they get that. And we're not being mean-spirited about it. We, we agree with it and we amen it, but we think it's for somebody else. Uh, but one of the, the joys of God's Word is anytime we're under God's Word, even when I read Scripture and even preparing for a message, I don't want to say, I hope they get Well, when I preach this, I hope they get it. I mean, I'm reading Scripture. This is for me. I need this. And as I share it, it is not for any individual. It is for all of us. And so when we think about the church, I think that's we're in danger of that. You know, we leave here and we talk about the church. Yeah, I hope everybody gets that. Well, we all need to get it. Uh, and when we think about fellowship, uh, wouldn't it be great if, if everybody that was a believer, we're not perfect, but wouldn't it be great if everybody that was a born-again believer of Jesus Christ as we get through this word, understood the importance and the joy of biblical fellowship and what that would look like through the life of our church. Uh, J.I. Packer does do a great job as he introduces the word. He talks about what a lot of times people think fellowship is, you know, uh, as a Baptist, eating fried chicken in a in a room, you know the fellowship hall. We got it. That's fellowship, you know, banana pudding and fried chicken. Amen. You know that, that's that's all right. Uh, sitting around a Sunday school class and and just talking life, just our little group. That's fellowship. It is, but not biblically, really. 
hanging out with a handful of people. That's fellowship. It is, but not biblically. And he does a tremendous job of, of explaining that true biblical fellowship in the intent that it is written in Scripture is when the church comes together and is the church. And that is true biblical. He does a phenomenal job introducing it. So if you haven't read it, you, you, um, you read that. Well, let's look at Acts chapter 2. If you don't have your bulletin with you, I'm going to read that verse again from this morning. If you have your bulletin, you can just flip it over in the bulletin. It's our all-in key verse. You, you, like I said, we're going to have this memorized. Acts 2.42 reminds me of the, the preacher that preached in view of a call, and they voted him in and said, man, that was a great sermon, Pastor. And then next week, he preached the same sermon. And then the week after that, he preached the same sermon. So like four Sundays in a row, he preached the same exact message. And finally, you know, uh, when uh, everybody always goes to one of the deacons to handle that, you know, we want, somebody needs to go tell him. So, you know, they always get the, one of the deacons to go. And they say, well, preacher, you've preached the same sermon five times. He said, well, I'm waiting for y'all to get it, and I'll move on. So, you know, sometimes Acts 2, 42, 47, we, we're a little hard-headed, aren't we? Uh, it has been one of my literally life, Sharon can tell you this, it has been one of my life verses as a pastor forever because we should never get old of understanding it. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. I think I love it so much because it is the birth of the New Testament church. It is, if you want to know how to do church, where do you go? A conference an outreach magazine, a blog. If we want to know how to do church, how do we, where do we really need to go? Now, those things may be helpful, but where do we need to go? The Bible. What, do, what does the Word of God have to say about the church? So the early church, you know, the Holy Spirit comes on them. They're full of the Holy Ghost. They know they're saved, that they got the Spirit of God. They got everything they need, and all they know what to do. You know, you say, well, what did they do? They just did what they knew they needed to do, and that happened to be the right thing to do. So we want to know how to do church. Just do what they did. We can't mess it up. They devoted themselves to teaching, the apostles' teaching, and what's that word there? Fellowship. Now, does that mean they devoted themselves to teaching, and then they went to the fellowship hall and hung out? You know, they, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the church, and then they just, you know, individually did life as groups. No, that, that word there means that they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, koinonia, fellowship, breaking of bread and the prayers, and, and, and you see the rest of that, all came upon every soul. That word every is important, every soul. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. You do not do Christianity by yourself. It's no such thing. You know, it's, 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 it's not a biblical term. Well, I'm a believer, but there's no but to it. If you are a believer, you're part of the body of Christ. Uh, and you belong to something. It's not, it's not individual. They devoted themselves every so many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were where? Together. They had all things in common. And it goes on talking about they were selling their possessions, breaking bread. Very last verse, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the number of those day by day who were being saved. So if you just look at this verse, we look at verse 47, that's our desire, that every, every day people are getting saved. You know, we talked about numbers not being the driving force, but the driving force of a, of a healthy biblical church is life change. 
uh, that if someone comes to know, we're going to get to that, if someone comes to know Christ, that they're daily growing into the likeness of Christ. Every day, wouldn't that be awesome? Every day we see life change as the gospel is being presented and lived out. So the, the end result of what was taking place was people were getting saved. And by the way, you can't hide that. It's like I mentioned that lady this morning. When she got right and real, it was right and real. You just can't hide that. What was it that allowed the God, because God is going to do his work and will and way regardless if we're part of it or not. You know, if you think about that, if we don't go out and share the gospel, it's not like God's not saving people. I just, I'd be honored to be part of the process, and I'd be honored to be part of the, 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 the fold of people that he allows us and trusts us enough to do it with. People were getting saved. People were growing and changing in the likeness of Christ. Why? Because they were devoted, and they were passionate, and they believed in the apostles' teaching. Now, we don't have apostle. I'm not an apostle. And anybody says they're apostle, it's, it's, it's heresy. There's no apostles out there. They were devoted to what God had to say. They were devoted to listening to the voice of the Lord. They, they loved to hear from God. They wanted to hear from God. And at that time, that was through the life of the apostles. Now, we don't have apostles. What do we have? We have the Bible, as simple as that, through the Bible. We, so the, the church is, is, is devoted, and we love the things of God. We want to hear from God. We're asking God to reveal himself. We're asking God to, to show himself through his word. They were devoted to that, and they were also devoted to biblical fellowship. They were devoted to one another. That word means to, uh, to share. When we look at the word for, for fellowship, it literally means that we are to, to share. We have something in common. Another word is partnership. It doesn't matter who comes to know Christ and who specifically joins our church. One of the joys that we have is whether they're young and they're old, when they come to join the church, is letting them understand that they are part of all of this. We are all in this together. You know, we're all Christians living the Christian life together. Whether we're young or old, we're part of a partnership. Now, I have said this a thousand times, and it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't, but it does. Trust me. One of the disadvantages of this beautiful building that we have, here are two things. We have a great worship facility, but it's very aggravating. You know why it's aggravating? There's too many entry points. And so... Somebody's visiting with us and they come in here and they sit there. Somebody comes in the, the side door and they go straight up the balcony and they sit there. Somebody comes in the back door and they come in and they sit there. And somebody comes in here and they sit there. And somebody, so it's like church one, church two, church three, church four, church five, church six. I think the seven and eight. We got eight churches. You know, what, what we're going to do one Sunday is we're going to say church one, swap with church two. Every, we're going to give out numbers. This is, this will be funny. Everybody gets a number. All the odds move over here. All the evens move over here. And let's just mix and match. But can you think about that? Could you imagine? So think about it from my standpoint. I'm trying to let somebody know. We are so glad that you're part of the body of Jesus Christ. And we love each other. And we want you to get to know each other. And, and literally, you'd be surprised. This happens. I've had several people tell me this. I read in the paper that somebody passed away. Who was that? Now, y'all have been here a lot longer than I have, okay? I had a balcony person tell me that one time. Now, I'm not picking on balcony people. 
I had a balcony people tell you, I have no idea who that person was. And I said, you know why you don't know who that person was? They sat under the balcony. So guess what happens if you're in the balcony? And you always sit in the balcony, which is not bad. And someone always sits under the balcony. You will never, crazy, never lay eyes on a fellow church member. They would come in and go on the balcony. This person would come in and sit under the balcony, and you can never make physical eye contact with a church member. Now, that's nobody's fault, but that is not biblical fellowship. So one of the, one of the struggles I have is, I mean, we can't lock the doors and make everybody come through one door. We can't make it, you know, you got to, I'm not going to start telling you where you can sit. But that, have you ever thought about that? We have so many entry points. Younger people tend to come in here because that's where the nursery is. Most of our senior adults tend to come over here because that's where senior adult Sunday school is. And so it's just a constant struggle. Y'all didn't know the struggles your pastor has, do you? (laughs) So I'm trying to create levels of fellowship and letting young people know, hey, we want you to be part of this and another part of that. Because to me, church is a partnership. And we are excited about being part. One of the great things about me is to be a church is, and I love this, how different we are. Aren't we just different? Isn't that great that we're so different, that we need to have different personalities, that we need to act differently, react differently? You know, some of you, uh, even doing pastoral ministry, some people want somebody by their side when their nose begins to run. They think they're going to have a runny nose, they will call me. Some people will be the foot before they're going to see Jesus, and they may tell me to put them on the prayer list. And so we're just so different, and even in a, even in a fellowship way. We want to be able to do these things together. So I want to ask you to do this. Let's work on that. You know, let's begin to think about it. Okay, when I come and I, I come in this door and I set my stuff down, who's on the other side? Who's in the balcony? Who can I welcome into the church? Who can I introduce myself to? Who can I, who can I talk to? Uh, somebody told me one time they were afraid to ask somebody to fill out a visitor's card. Why would somebody be afraid to ask someone to fill out a visitor's card? They're going to afraid they're going to ask somebody that's a church member to fill out a visitor's card. I did that one Easter, my first Easter as a pastor. Y'all getting all the good stuff this week. Lady came in. I said, love you to fill out a visitor's card. How dare you? I'm a church member. I've been a church member here for 25 years. I was baptized here, raised here. And I just said, listen, I've been here a whole year, and I don't know you. How about filling out a visitor's card? <laughs> what am I supposed to do, okay? I mean, I, I've been there a whole year, and I haven't seen her, and it was Easter. I was just handing out visitor cards. And tracks. So let's think about that. I didn't mean to spend that much time on that. But it is a partnership. And so here are two things that we need to focus on when we think about fellowship. We need to think about our relationship with Christ. And then we think about our relationship with one another. Because I will be the first one to tell you that I have relationship problems this way if I don't focus on that way. If I, if I just look at light, like lost people, lost people tend to get on my nerves. If you think about a lost person, they don't like what I like. They don't do what I want to do. They don't listen to what I want to listen. We don't have a whole lot in common. We might have some things in common. But if you just think of a typical lost person, why in the world would I want to hang out with a lost person? Why? I wouldn't. But when my relationship with Christ is right, I love lost people. And I want to share the hope that I have in Christ with lost people. It's hard to fellowship with different people, even in the church. We are a family. Some of us are weird cousins and uncles. I get it. 
But yet in that context, naturally in our flesh, this isn't going to work well. It's not. But if we got that relationship right, these will work out. And so that's the joy that we have. Let's get that right, and this will always take care of itself when we think about partnering in ministry. Look at 1 John 1.3. 1 John 1.3, as we think about our relationships. 1 John 1.3, our beginning in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That is Christ. John's talking about Christ. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to you. So John's talking about who Christ is. That was from the beginning. We know that from John's gospel. This is John. We know from the gospel of John it's from the beginning. We've heard it, we've seen it, it's made manifest, it's from God, it was made manifest to us. That which we have seen, now think about this, that which we have seen as a believer, that which we have heard, we proclaim to you. You I have a relationship with God the Father through God the Son, I have a relationship with Christ. That which I have, you know, you could say, I have a real experience with Christ. I am a a child of the Lord through Jesus Christ. I have that assurance of my salvation. Notice what he says, we have seen, we have heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you, so that they're sharing the message, we have this. We proclaim this to you so that you also may have, there's that word, fellowship with us, one another. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. So, is we have a relationship with Christ, we're inviting others to have that type of relationship. And as we have a relationship one to another, that relationship is also with God the Father and God the Son. And we know that God the Spirit is with us. Isn't that incredible? That we become a believer, we are all partners in the ministry with one another because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How else could you explain how so many people can get along and do life together that were connected to the Trinity. And that's why it's so important, the things that I was mentioning even this morning, as we think about the, the idea of what the church is, holiness in the church, when in the Old Testament idea, when sin is in the camp. How can we expect God to bless what we're doing if we don't have partnership together? And sometimes people may say, well, you, there's no, nothing, you know, you don't know what someone's done. They're, you don't understand what this church has gone through. You don't understand what, it doesn't matter because we're in partnership with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the, He is in our midst and we're in this together. One of the great ministries has really sprung up in the last few years. And we've put some, some teeth to it in the North American Mission Board is not only church planting, but church revitalization. It's the idea of taking a church that has fallen on tough times for whatever reason 
and a group of people that are literally, uh, you know, a month away from turning, keeping the lights on. They're, they're about to just abandon the building. And there might be a handful of people that say, we can't even do ministry. It's just two or three of us. What do we do? And they reach out. And so somebody from North American Mission Board, a, a revitalization pastor or something will step in and say, okay, do we want to do this? Do we think God is here? Do we think, yes. Are we in partnership with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Yes. Are we in partnership together? Yes. And okay, well, then let's go. We're going to succeed if we just live right and do right and believe right and trust right. That's what's so exciting about the local church because we are in partnership with one another as we are in partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. That's why when we look at biblical reconciliation, that's why reconciliation is so important. There's nothing that we can't move on from because we are in partnership with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him. Not my message, John said. We heard it from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and him is no darkness at all. Same word, verse 6, if we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Partnership. If I have partnership with the world, how can I have partnership with God? You can't have partnership with two different things. Your partnership is a, an agreement you're part of. So if we have partnership with God and partnership with one another, we're living in the light. That, that, anybody want Good question. You either want to live in the light or live in the dark. There's no in-between. You're either walking with or walking against. And so fellowship is the privilege that we have. I think sometimes we take for granted that it's not something that, you know, we, we walk into a room. There's nothing more awkward than walking into a room and you know no one. You know, I don't struggle with that as much as others. I can walk into a room and fake it like I know everybody, I guess. But you know how unsettling it is to walk into a room and know absolutely no one? Uh -huh. I think some people look at their Christian life that way in the church. Listen, we are a fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't find my self-esteem and my need met and my joy in life and, and anything but my partnership with Christ and the Father and the Spirit and our partnership with one to another. And so there's a vertical relationship. Let's get that right tonight. You know, it's one of my goals. Every time I preach the word or share the word or encourage my word, have the assurance that you have a right relationship with Christ and then understand what that means, a partnership with the creator of the heavens and the earth. But there's also another relationship. This is very frustrating in ministry. Uh, there's different ways that other people have tried to explain it. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Remember one of the, one of the first books I read in um, college was, uh, most, a lot of us have read it, was, uh, remember Purpose Driven Church, Rick Warren? Uh, a lot of people like to pick on Rick Warren. When you're in a big church doing things, you, you're an easy target, you know. Um, I've always shared with people, I try not to, pile on people for things because I would I would be horrified if somebody listened to every word I said and plastered it all over the news and you know sometimes you say stuff and do stuff so Rick Warren's a Southern Baptist pastor out in California he kind of began with a purpose-driven church model I think that can get kind of sideways but I think I think Rick Warren's a good guy some people might disagree with that some people didn't know people don't love him but anyway but Rick Warren he, he, he made this statement he said you know look at the typical person as a baseball diamond you know, I, I'm on home plate, 
and uh, I'm, I'm, I start there. No, I start home base. I get a single. So first base isn't a tender. I don't remember it. If you you remember it, just you'll know the idea. So first base isn't a tender. Second base is somebody comes to know the Lord. Third base is somebody's active in the church and they're growing and they're you know discipling. Home plate is when they're growing, going, I, I got it. I mean, they get, you know, they're serving the Lord. And so the idea of Rick Warren was trying to encourage in a practical way, we want to get everybody home, get everybody home. And so at least gave some idea of being able to say, you know, first base, second base. But isn't that true, though? I mean, it, it, there's different people on, on different things. Whether it's really biblical or not, it, you know, it, it does make us think. You know, there are certain times that people just attend. And so even as a pastor, I have to admit, I categorize our church. Are you, do you think less of me? Okay, what does a shepherd do? He's looking for sheep and goats, okay? Part of being a shepherd is you keep the goats out. But the goats try to come in and act like sheep. So part of my job as a pastor is to keep the goats out. But as a pastor, it is sad because I might look and go, oh, I wish they'd get off first base, <laughs> you know? Somebody please get this person off first base. They have been attending for 48 years, you know. And what does an attender do? They just come. They may come every Sunday. They could come every Sunday, and every Sunday put a check in the offering plate. And, and which it, that's a good thing. We like offering plate. We like tithes and offering. That's a good thing. They come every Sunday. They sit every Sunday. They, they give every Sunday. And that's it, okay? Not serving anywhere. They've not volunteered to do anything. They're not involved with a small group. Uh, they are not involved with Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study. They do not even know that we have Sunday night church. That was a joke, okay? They've never taken a discipleship class. Those are the type of people when, some, when they, somebody may, they pass away, they say, well, God, now who is that? And I always have to say, okay, they sit on the fourth row on the left and the right, and they come every Sunday. Well, where do they, but that, and, I, and, I, and I, I try not to be negative about it, but that's all they do. That's an attender. Think about, from this standpoint, what they're missing. I heard somebody tell me one time, somebody did tell me, I didn't hear them tell me, they did tell me, you can't be friends with your church. Hogwash. I love trying to be as close to, to you as I can. You know, sometimes that's kind of can be threatening as a pastor because it opens yourself up. And if you open yourself up, they see the real you. Well, who are you want to see? The fake me? I do have a problem with yellow lights. I go through them when I'm taking senior adults on a trip, okay? <laughs> I don't want them to think I'm perfect. I tell them with all the weight on the van, I couldn't stop if I wanted to anyway. So would you rather me go sideways through the red light or just scoot through it? I know the insurance guy just grabbed his heart back in the back. I do that because I want people to know I'm not perfect. I do eat ice cream every night if I could. I do like, you know, so I think it's good to get to know one another. Uh, I saw Mr. Farrell Williams back there today. And once the service starts, I cannot get back in the back. And so the whole day I was preaching about a month ago, it was breaking my heart that I knew I was not going to get to hug Pharaoh Williams because I knew with his help and the way I preach, he has to leave before I get done right at the invitation. So I knew he was going to get out of here before I could hug him. And that just tore me up, you know, because I wanted to hug him and say, so good to see you. 
Think about what that attender's missing. Just sitting, listening, and giving. They may love the church. They more support the church. But you think about what they're missing. All right? Think about it from another way. Think about what other people are missing. Do you realize that every time you come to church, you're not just getting, you're giving? Do you know how many times people have told me that you say something to somebody? You know, somebody says, well, I was just, I was just walking down there and Kim Slosher came up and said something to me and it was just the nicest thing that anybody would ever say. And I went, Kim who? Slosher? <laughs> Nicole or Kim? <laughs> Kim. I was like, oh, okay. You never know what God is going to do through you for others. So what if, what if we're sitting, I, I mean, I, I, I've said this before about my own life. When I was an, a, a just married, Sunday night rolled around, and I was like, I don't want to go to church. In my flesh, how many people, you know, you say we could can, we can love Jesus with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, but would you rather sit home on a Sunday afternoon and relive, rap, you know, well, that's my only time with my family. You know what I tell people? It's the only time, that's the time with my father. That's good. Somebody write that down. And every time I would go, I would come back thinking, I am so glad I went because somebody encouraged me and I pray that I also encourage somebody. Fellowship is a partnership this side of heaven. All right, let me get to it. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir one another up. What does that mean? Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider, let me back up and give you a quick little sermon here. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let us come to Christ. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us continue in Christ. Verse 24, let us consider how to stir one another up in Christ. Could you imagine what would happen? If every time every one of us came through that door, we said, what can I do to build somebody up? What can I do to build somebody up? You know, and instead of looking at, you know, it, 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 you know I, I want to, I, I don't feel good. I probably could be home. I got a lot going on. I need to be fed myself, but I know I need to be fed. I'm coming in this room tonight. I'm coming in this building in Sunday school. And when I come in here, I am going to consider how I can stir someone up. I'm not walking in, moping around, upset and ill and grouchy and sitting in my spot. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking at, I have a, I owe it to you. You know, I owe it to you to stir you up. You owe it to me to stir me up. We owe it to one another to stir one another up. Can you imagine, like I said this morning, the thing I said this morning wasn't the truth about church numbers. Plateaued means no growth. means no growth. If you run 300, 300, 300, 300, 300, 300 if you run 300 for four or five years, that is, that is flatlining. That's no growth. You know, a typical... A typical Southern Baptist church that does not ongoingly biblically look at their roles. If we can have, well, okay, I don't know how many we had this morning. Our role is 1,200 people. Let me ask you this. This is on you, not me. Where are they at? 
if our, if our responsibility is to stir one another on, why is it so often in churches it becomes the pastor's responsibility? Brother Pastor, I know somebody that really love a visit. I mean, in my flesh, I want to say, well, then go visit them. Gary Ritchie was a deacon, a great deacon at one of our churches. And it was, he was so funny. A, a lady come by, and she had gone through some stuff, and it was kind of a, a long, extended thing. And I think she probably could have gotten back in the swing of things a little longer. And it was just, it was such a long thing that it's just kind of hard to, to keep track. And so she bumped into him somewhere, and she said, well, I cannot believe not one person at church has called me in weeks. And he looked at her dead in the eyes and said, who have you been calling I mean, why have you been called? And I mean, that sounds harsh and negative and bitter, but isn't that the truth? I mean, there are people that are part of this church. I could walk, I could, there is no way. I have only been here how many years? And so if someone has not been here in 10 years, I don't know them. I'm never going to know them. And then it's going to be real weird when I do a funeral for them and I'm trying to make up something to say about them. You do know them. You should stir them on. You should reach out to them. You should hold them accountable. You know, when you think about being sick, would you rather somebody to tell you that you're, you're, you're okay when you're not okay, or would you rather somebody to speak the truth in love? You know, I, and I'll say this. I'm on my soapbox. What has more of an effect? Let's just hypothetically. We got Josh and Chad over there. I'll pick on Josh because he's chairman of the deacons. Josh has got something going on in his life that's not right, but it's a little bit over the top. Not that we're judging, but Josh has got something going on that's just not right. And it's obvious and, you know, what, what has more of an effect? Me going, Josh, now you need to tighten up as your pastor. I've observed some things in your life. You haven't been in church in several months. I'd love for you to be here. That has some weight, Right. How much more weight does this have? Josh, this is Chad. Hadn't seen you in three or four weeks. Is everything okay? Can I pray for you? Can I come get you? Can I take you to church? What has more weight? Somebody he's grown up with and known all his life or something that comes from the pastor? And I think we have to look at fellowship in the way that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Could you imagine going to a family reunion and half your family's not there? Where are they? I don't know. Should we call them? Don't make them mad. <laughs> if we make them mad, they may not come. I'm like, and I, I swear, some of the things, I, don't, I can't believe I haven't been fired multiple times in ministry. And I, I said this before, don't make them mad. They won't come to church. They're not coming to church. How mad can they get? They're not giving. I promise you if they're not coming, they're not giving. So they're not going to take their, you know, well, don't, yeah, they might not give anymore. Listen, God's got more money than we ever have, okay? But that's the mindset. It'd be like saying, well, where's your, I thought this was a family reunion. Where's your family? They're not here. Where are they? Don't say anything. Are they alive, dead, sick? We don't know. We don't care, but don't say anything. It might come across wrong. That is, a, that is just moronic. For those that have been with us, you understand that's one of my favorite biblical words. And I'm not trying to be silly. I am, but it's just say it out loud. Sometimes I think we, owe we ought to be able to look around and say, my goodness, Lord, we ought to line up the altar tonight and say, Lord, forgive us that we've got 1,200 partners in ministry and we don't even know where they are. 
It's not on me. It is, but it's on us. We are part of, you think about the number of people you've grown up with and you, I've had people tell me, well, we, we went to school together. Went to you need to reach out to these people and tell them that you love them and that you're praying for them and you want to, if there's something in their life that's not right, listen, if somebody is not going to church and growing daily in the Lord, something is wrong with them and you need to be the one to tell them, I love you and I'm praying for you and I want you to find the joy of the Lord in your life. That's the issue. Partnership, let us consider how can I stir one another on to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, that is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We fellowship with them. We fellowship one to another because we have fellowship with him. It is harder to pastor a church. They say, they, they say a typical senior pastor that attempts to do all, a senior pastor that has to do all the pastoral ministry can only function if he's a real type A guy and real outgoing, which I can be if I try to be, he tops out at about 150 people. An average person that maybe not wired as much tops out about 75 to 100. So if you've got a, a, a church that says we've got a pastor that's going to minister to our flock and do the, that's what, 100 people. That's about it. That's all he can handle. And so what happens is if that falls on, on let's just say John alone. Let's say I'm really, my knee's better and I'm really high strung and I'm really 100 miles an hour. About 150 people is all I can touch. And then what begins to happen is we start losing people because that's all I can do. So you'll always keep about 150 people. So you can add some staff. You get about 200. Add another staff. But still, they don't, you don't care about the staff. You do, but you don't. You know what I mean? Who do you want there? The pastor. You know, you love Joy. You love Matt. You love everybody. You want the pastor. So if the church's mindset, the pastor needs to be the one, 150, you're going to top out. That's it. Isn't that, isn't that true? But if the church says, pastor... Shepherd us, Matt, shepherd us, lead us, guide us. We got the ministry. We'll take care of it. You, we'll, we'll call you in in pastoral triage. When it gets bad, you'll know about it. But if it isn't bad, we got this. Then you've got a church that's not banking on the pastor and staff to do everything. The, one another's are doing everything. The Sunday school class is doing everything. Do you realize every Sunday that you do not attend a small group, you are telling the rest of that small group they don't matter? Have you ever thought about that? They don't matter. I had a football coach that said, every snap you take off, you're letting that guy to your left and your right down. You take a snap off in football, you're hurting that guy and you're hurting that guy. When we don't come to a small group, whatever small group we're in, we're letting down everybody else. We're letting down those that are part of that class. There's something about strength and numbers and praying and encouraging. 
That's something that God has enabled us to do. Stir one another on, not neglecting to meet together. See, it's not about me. I feel, see, a lot of times I feel like it's me trying to convince people they need to do so. It's together. We go to church for one another. We give. When we, when we, get, when we figure out that our giving is for the glory of God so that the nations can hear the gospel, that's when we start giving. Because it's not about us. Me coming is not about anything but other people, the gospel, and encouraging. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. The day is drawing near. And there is not a season of my life that does not go by that something happens that I didn't see coming. And it could be a, a, a person have something happen in their life. It could be a sickness. It could be something that happens so quick. And how many of us have said, gosh, if I'd have only known, if I'd have only reached out, if I'd only, the day is drawing near. I think it's drawing near from a life standpoint, but I think the day is drawing near for the Lord's return. I don't know how many more days we have, but I want to fight and I want to finish faithful. Fellowship is so important, but fellowship is something that you can control. Do you love him enough to partner, and do you love one another enough to partner? When we take a day off, we're hurting everybody around us. When we spiritually check out, it affects us, but it also affects those that are closest to us. Let's stand as we pray and close tonight. Lord, we, we thank you as we come. We thank you, Lord, that we can hear your word, we can respond to it. We're thankful, Lord, even as we sing, that we can lean on the everlasting arms. And so, Lord, I thank you for biblical fellowship. I can only imagine and picture in my little mind the, the early church huddling and gathering in homes in any nook and cranny they could as they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were excited about who they were in Christ and as they lived that gospel out. And, Lord, let us be that people. Let us love one another so much that we realize, yes, we are different. We are created different. Our personalities are different. Lord, just even in our ages, we become so different in generations. Lord, let us look beyond that. Let us partner in ministry. Let us lock arms and do ministry together. Let us storm the gates of hell and, and, and take the gospel to the ends of the earth, starting right here in Avon Park. And let us bind together as we lean on you for this good work. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we sing tonight, let us sing and believe it. If there's something you need to do in your heart, you do it. If there's something you need to share, you can do that as well. But let us lean on him and let us love others. As we sing, if you need to come, you come. Come as we sing. <laughs>